Scotty, 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 guess what, guess what, guess what? John, it's too early in the morning for me to guess anything, so you're just going to have to tell me. I threw your ass under the bus on, on, on Sunday when I was making a, a, a quick interview with our best friend in the world, Joe Crabtree, the author of Polynome, and we were talking a little bit about um, how he got into developing software in order to to realize his, his dream for a product. So I have a whole segment of it, so I don't have to do anything other than to have done what I've just done. So I'm going to like kick my feet up and, and, and relax, and I'll try not to, to snore too loudly while you're talking. Oh, okay. That's that's it, is it? So you're just sort of you you do one interview and then it's all over to me. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> no, it's okay. We can have a little bit of banter before we we you know we before we go off to the good section. I mean, you know that section. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I threw you uh, under the bus. You did totally, didn't you? So uh, I haven't actually heard the section yet. So it's going to be like as new to me as it is to the listeners, I guess. <laughs> So, it's, um, it, anything I need to know before we start? I mean, do I need to get myself a, a you know box of tissues to mop my tears? Uh, no, I'm, and I'm not even going to go to <laughs> to any other alternative use of a box of tissues. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, okay. So, before we do that, uh, have you had a good week? Anything exciting this week we need to talk about, or are we just going to go straight straight for the segment? Uh, no. Uh, today, I mean, this week we're we're still definitely in, in iOS 13 readiness, and uh, we talked a little bit about last week about the whole thing about dark mode, and and uh, it's it actually what I had hoped to happen is happening, in that it is sparked enough conversations about places in the app where where we do things that really, uh, first of all, don't play well with dark mode, so we have to opt out of dark mode. But instead of just doing it with the plist and brute force method in the app, uh, we decided to, to do it on a case-by-case basis in, in the few view controllers that do it um, during the, the you know regular mode. But we have a kids mode, and kids mode um, has a color scheme that involves lots of white backgrounds. Um, so we, have to, we had to, to opt out a lot more in there. And that, since it's a huge part of the app, uh, it's sparking a lot of discussions. So I think we'll, we will kill two birds with one stone that we, we can finally, finally get around to some stuff that should be done for kids and finally uh, hitch along for the ride some good stuff for, for low vision users. So I think I'm happy about that. Well, I am happy about it, though. So. Well, that's good because, I mean, every time you get to, you know, as we, as we discussed a little last week, every time you get to review your UI for something that Apple done, you don't only just review it for that, you end up reviewing it as the UI altogether and often hopefully making better choices out of it. Yep. That, that's really cool. Yeah, I've um, I've had actually a, a fairly quiet week. Um, I mean, it took me a while to recover from being under a bus. Um, so. <laughs> why, well, hold a second. Why don't we tell people why I had to throw you under the bus? Because I, I did make mention of it, but I, I, I have to talk about my sadness because you and I were supposed to hang out on Sunday, but you just like unceremoniously bailed on me. And so I didn't go see the Psychedelic Furs um, playing a free concert in Stern Grove because who wants to go by themselves? Actually, I had a little kind of stupid... Uh, problem with with the renovation come up, which took away my time. But the primary blame goes to you, though. Oh, I see. I see. So even though you couldn't have gone anyway, and I would have actually ended up driving all the way for the, to the city to end up going to your renovation instead of the concert, you're still going to blame me. No, no, because that <laughs> happened. It happened after I after you bailed. Oh, I see. You were just very fortunate then. Um, uh, let's say I I hung out with. Uh, some other friends on um, the day before and we enjoyed ourselves rather too much making the next day unenjoyable (laughs) that is as much as i am prepared to say 
Not just unenjoyable, let's say immobile. (laughs) Well, two things. First of all, other friends. Thanks, Scotty. Second thing, Sam... I almost said said better friends. So I would I didn't go that far. Oh, so you God. should you should you should receive the love that you got from that statement. <laughs> it's a negative number. Okay. Well, good thing I have a brand new friend. So why don't we just roll the segment with my brand new friend who who basically, you know, is a touring drummer um and is in the United States or was at the time when he was recording it and uh, I caught up with him and he is somebody that I converted through through the force of my sparkling personality from a fractional listener to a new podcast co-host. Excellent. Your need for me is ever dying. <laughs> Let's take a listen. All right. Well, we have a, a special guest segment. You know, it's been a long time since we've had a guest. And, and those of you who have been uh, among the, the fractional one and a half listeners have heard me go on and on about the software called Polynome. Well, we have uh, its author, Joe Crabtree, um, who happens to be in the United States because he's playing a gig um, as a drummer for Wishbone Ash. And, and uh, I get to throw him under the bus uh, a little bit because I noticed that his his uh, on the, 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 the web page describing their involvement in the United States states that they're coming first to kind of washington state area and then going back a quarter away around the planet back to the uk only to return again to to come in austin which leads me to wonder joe who's organizing this tour and and what were they smoking (laughs) oh i mean hello welcome to the show (laughs) thank you very much it's very nice to be here um yeah what you're seeing on the website is this is a one-off gig that i literally did fly from england to Washington State um, for one show, which is a 90-minute show tonight, and then I'll be flying back tomorrow. So that is pretty crazy. Um, But they did put us up in a beautiful cabin in the hills, and we've got a couple of days here, and we we went up to Artist Point at Mount Baker yesterday and uh, just saw some incredible scenery up there. And I was literally staring at this snow-capped mountain and thinking to myself, why am I standing staring at this beautiful scenery, trying to figure out how I should be refactoring my twenty thousand line uh, <laughs> view controller? Like, I, I was, I was very much aware of the fact that I was in this beautiful location, thinking about sitting at my computer and what I was going to be do, doing when I got back, which seemed a little uh, crazy way to to be doing things. But that's great because you're introducing, you know, a reason why I wanted to have you on the show because uh, you are a drummer and uh, an actual a professional, you know, paid and successful uh, session drummer. And that's something I've always dreamed of doing. I mean, I studied drums uh, from when I was uh, 10 years old, and that was a very, very long time ago. And, and I took advantage of the fact that we had great music uh uh, programs in, in all the public schools I went to, and I had some great opportunities. I, I got to go for a summer to the Berklee College of Music in Boston, so I was, I was really quite serious about it, but uh, as I was about learning to cook. Um, and when I was in high school, I was trying to figure out what did I want to be when I grew up, and, and I honestly didn't know, but I was concerned that if I became you know, a, a professional musician or if I became a professional chef, that somehow it would be such a huge struggle, and I didn't know whether I would make it well enough that I could still have the love of doing it. And, and and I went to college and I studied international relations, which I love doing, but I 
then kind of came out to San Francisco, didn't know what I was going to do with my life, figured I was just going to, you know, take advantage of, of an invitation from my brother, you know, go to grad school, figure out something. And it was quite a circuitous path that led me to, to learning how to, to, to be a software engineer, at which I, I think I've been a, a, a pretty good success and I've enjoyed a, a, a wonderful career. And I think part of what has made me a good software engineer and what has made me enjoy my career is that... Uh, I did not study computer science in school, and so yes, what I lack in 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 in, in certain types of background that that people who did a CS degree at Stanford or other you know other such places, um, I ha- I bring with it a, a certain perspective um, that I think informs how I approach problems, and and part of that comes from also kind of having some some discipline um, from from learning about how to how professional chefs work, and and from from practicing rudiments and having the discipline of, 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 of a musician, you kind of similarly, you know, had some, some background and, and did a little bit of, of, of coding work, I think, uh, as part of your classwork in university, as did I, the kind of one-time class. I hated it back hmm. then. And it was only after the fact that I had a, a burning desire to, to learn software engineer because I, there was something I wanted to create. Can you talk a little bit about, about kind of why you you decided that you know at a at a, a date later than I think your average twelve year old nerd you know <laughs> who started because they they instead of going out on dates wanted to date a, a Radio Shack computer. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got into it. Um, well, yeah, you, my degree was in physics, um, and mm. that was I, I wanted to be a drummer, but. I felt like I should go and get like a useful degree <laughs> in case the, the <laughs> musician thing didn't work. And part of the degree I had to learn Fortran and write some some stuff in Fortran. So I learned about different variable types and for loops and things. But I didn't really enjoy it at all at the time. And it was just a module I had to get through. Um, and then I left university and tried to become a drummer and eventually moved to London and landed some gigs and started sort of professional career when I was 24, 25. That's the last time I had a, a normal job. Um, but funnily enough, there's a lot of drummers I know who are who doing okay, but it's, like you said, it's very difficult to make a living as a, a professional musician unless you happen to be in U2 or some, you know, huge band. So a lot of drummers that I know do other things on the side, you know, will make educational videos and so I'd build a website where um, I could kind of do a Netflix for drummers and um, post educational content on there and various other things. So in my downtime between touring, I would always be working on other projects. And I had an idea for an app that I wanted to write that didn't exist and I thought would have been ideally suited to the iPhone, but I had no idea how you would write an app for iPhone, just no clue where to start. Um, and I fumbled around and, and played with some software called Max MSP, which is a kind of graphical user interface for creating software. And a friend of mine showed me the sort of basic way that you used it. And in a couple of days, I had something that approximated what I wanted my software to do, but it, it ran within this Max runtime environment. Um, and really, I wanted to make an iPhone app. So the next thing was I met another drummer who used to work at Pixar, and he had just started learning how to write apps for iPhone. And I told him my idea, which was basically for a metronome which would play different rates. So it wouldn't just give you a click at a constant rate. You could change the subdivisions and things. And 
there wasn't an app out there that did that. And he said, yeah, I think I could probably knock that up pretty quickly. So our arrangement was that I would tell him how it should work and he would build it and I would do the website and the marketing. Um, but I secretly wanted to learn, you know, to understand it and be able to contribute. So he set up the project on GitHub and I went and looked into the code and I um, went and watched the Stanford University lectures on writing iPhone apps. Uh, and the problem was that because I think you've mentioned before, you know, Apple's always pushing things forward to make it easier for people to jump on board and write apps. So the Stanford University lectures I watched had storyboards and automatic reference counting and all of these things that were new features since a year previously when uh, Lucas had written the code that we were working on. So the Stanford University lectures didn't tell me anything about the things I needed to know in order to work on the code that was in front of me. And that was a really kind of off-putting thing. Um, so I basically jumped in at that point and had some things that I wanted to implement. And I just just kind of plowed away at it and pulled my hair out trying to figure out so many little things that everybody must have the same experience where you don't know what questions you want to ask. So it's very difficult to find the answers. Um, and gradually it sort of started to come together. And I think it was about six months of doing it six or seven hours a day, probably before I really even understood what it was that I was doing. But then I'd get, I guess I'd kind of learned the language um, well enough to, you know, get my head around things. And I, I felt like I, I kind of knew what I was doing at that point. And in the last month, I've been learning Swift to try and uh, move forward with various things. And I realized how little I know and how bad some of the code I've written in the last six years has been. And I'm kind of back, back at the going to school part right now. And that's how I came across your podcast. Hmm. And so you you were even a fractional one and a half listener, and um, which is wonderful. And because I, I, I we've had you know the, some of the feedback we had have had uh, is from people who are are kind of exactly in 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 your position or kind of can can uh, who resonate with some of the things that Scotty and I have talked about how we got into it. And it makes me very happy because I do remember kind of the, the, a combination of of wonder and horror about you know looking at stuff. It's like I have no idea how this works and and trying to change just one thing and you know could you get the the program to run again and and just be slightly different could you make a button red or could you change the 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 logic slightly and not have the world blow up and and i used to just basically take copious notes at the end of a of a programming session because this is exactly it i'd be up all hours of the night just kind of losing track of time but i would always take some little you know keep a little journal to 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 kind of track my progress and i i, I read i read over them you know a couple of years back and by that time they were probably 15 years old or, or more and i was kind of you know laughing at myself but I, I remember, you know, you know, uh, vividly kind of some of the happy dances I would do when I would get something right. And I'd also just remember wanting to, to just throw a computer through a, a window because it was just so unbelievably frustrating. 
And you just kind of realize over over time that, you know, logical expressions and, and ideas really are are independent of, of a programming language. Um, they are just simply expressions of ideas. So you, know, you certainly get very fluid with it, and it, it just it takes a certain amount of time. And it, it almost, in, in some ways, I, I guess there are easier ways to learn. And I guess that there's a reason why some of these boot camps exist. That they're that with the right materials, the right teachers, you can you can learn very very fast. And in some ways, I, I feel a little bit jealous of of people who have the chance to to learn almost anything it doesn't matter whether it's writing code or learning how to to, to prepare a complex bit of pastry or, or you know to learn you know some secret drum pattern by by a drummer you admire it's so much easier to learn stuff um, but no matter what there's certainly a certain number of, of hours a, a certain amount of pain you have to go through no matter what till you get there and then then you get to a point where <clears throat> you understand how things work and you you get to do things but then you run into the problem of saying well it works kind of but does it work well and can I maintain it and I know that you and I've had some discussions before that uh, our audience are, are not aware of it. Neither is our co-host, Scotty, who I should mention should have been here, but allow me to throw him under the bus or actually just back the bus and run him over a couple times. He was supposed to be here on this recording, but apparently he's just brutally hung over because he had other friends to hang out with last night. Um, and so thanks, Scotty. But anyway, <laughs> and he's not even here to defend himself, which is great. <laughs> But but you know I think that that you you may find yourself now in the position where you you've got a shipping app and and it does amazing things and we've talked about it and we'll um, but I think that you you're facing the problem where you know the, implementing new ideas or moving forward or taking advantage of new technologies is becoming a little bit difficult can you can you talk about that a little bit Yes yeah, so this this last month um, as I said I decided that I would finally learned swift and i'd thought about it when it came out you know should i jump on and, and do something with this but part of my code is in c um and i've got one file one main view controller which is twenty thousand lines long and is oh, still shit. using manual reference counting because it's mm -hmm. interfacing with some c code which is like the the core of the app so i have that there was a point years ago that i all the other view controllers i started to implement uh, automatic reference counting but apparently the, my friend who helped me with the first version said well you can't really do that with this file because it's a .mm file and a whole bunch of things that I still don't really fully understand um, but I've got this giant view controller and, and I find myself in the same position I was when I was starting out which is I want to learn how to do something and I go looking for a tutorial and the tutorials are all now written in Swift and my code is all in Objective-C so I have to figure out how I can make the two talk to each other, which is something that I put off for the longest time. And in some respects, I'm glad I did because, you know, I'll, I'll look back at things and people are like, well, here's how you do it in Swift 2 and here's how it is in Swift 3. Here's how it is in Swift 4. So I'm kind of glad I've not had to write code and then rewrite it and rewrite it um, just to, because Swift kept changing its implementation. Um, but I, I sat down and started reading through the, the Swift user manual and trying to figure out how to make things talk to each other and managed to rewrite a couple of bits of my code in Swift and make them talk to Objective-C, and I felt really excited about that. And, and I do like how Swift looks. Um, I have been typing a lot of semicolons that I don't need to <laughs> or forgetting to type them when I go back to Objective-C. Um, but I'm in this position now where... I am getting my head around Swift, but now there's, there's problems I have where I want to make 
Swift and Objective-C talk to each other. I'm not quite sure how it works, and it's hard to find information about that because there's not so many people maybe doing it. Um, and then I have this other issue, which I thought might be an interesting point of discussion, um, where I have a crash. And I have Fabric and Crashlytics built into the app, so that's been very helpful and helping me discover where the problems are in the code. But somebody got in touch. Um, I had version 2.4.6 was a stable-ish version, and then 2.4.7 was the first version where I had rewritten certain parts of the code in Swift. But they weren't doing anything particularly complicated. Um, So I put that version out, and then an update to that that fixed a crash that I found. And a week ago, I got an email from someone in Singapore saying, uh, I've used your app every day for the last year, and it's completely revolutionized my practice routine, and and I I love it. But this last couple of versions, they've been crashing on me after like an hour. I'll be running it for an hour, and then it'll crash. And so I went to look in the Crashlytics reports, and there was nothing. Um, So that kind of puzzled me, and I asked him to look well, I, I, I'm not sure if it's uh, male or female, <laughs> if they're listening. Why um, you is the name, so I don't know. Mm. <laughs> anyway, they uh, looked in the device, and there was no crash report in the device either. So that puzzled me, and I did a little bit of Googling and find some people saying if the app's shut down because of it's using too, too much memory right. and there's a memory leak, mm. then it might not leave a crash report. Um, so I did some memory tests on my devices on the computer and didn't see any memory leaks. And so I'm at this position where they can reliably make it crash. If they leave it running for an hour, it will crash, and they keep running tests for me. Um, and I sent them a beta version of 2.4.6, which was the one that was stable, and that doesn't crash. So I know that there's something that's happened between that version and this version that makes it crash. And I cannot figure out what that is because I can't make these new versions crash on my devices. They don't get any crash reports on their devices. Nothing gets sent to Crashlytics. Um, I tried to put some code in that did receive memory warning to see if that would log anything, but that's not showing anything up. So I, it seems like it's one person on an iPad mini running iOS 11. And I've tested on my device that runs iOS 10.3 on an old iPhone 5S, and that seems to run perfectly fine for hours. And my new iPad runs fine for hours. So I'm just at a complete loss as to how to figure out what is going on with this. And and I don't know whether it's happening for hundreds of people because it's not showing up in the logs or just this one person. Wow. So this is the new segment, debug my app (laughs) over FaceTime without having looked at the code. Well, I have to say two things. First of all, I I didn't interrupt you, but when you said that you had 20,000 lines in in a view controller, and you've probably heard MVC, you know, uh, sometimes derided as massive view controllers at 20,000 lines, that, 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 that's that is a massive that is a that that should be called a bay a bayvac a big ass view <laughs> controller. So we'll we'll put that aside. We'll you know, um, and in terms of of what's causing the crash, I I'm going to pull something completely out of my butt here. But you know the the, the clue I'm getting I'm I'm getting to is like it's pretty easy to simulate memory pressure. Uh, you know, and and you can find out you know how does your app handle it, and. Uh, 
But what I'm guessing, and it's a totally stupid guess, but you said that it, it, it's when you started introducing, you know, uh, Swift code into an Objective-C code base. And so it kind of makes me wonder how, what happens as things cross over the Objective-C, you know, Swift bridge. Uh, some, some you're talking, it's the, it's the same, it's the, the same memory address. In other cases, there's some subtle differences when, when something gets passed over. So I'm just wondering is what happens in an hour? Because you can imagine in an hour, if you have a graphics program or a video thing that, that if there's a memory leak, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Let's say that it's not a memory leak, but there's some internal counter, something along the line that's running which after a certain hour hour of time elapsed, get to a certain number where you're crossing a bound between a 32 and a 64-bit wide number or 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 some representation of of, of a counter that that and I and I'm just pulling on my butt but that's that's kind of intuitively what seems might could possibly be be happening. It's too bad there's not video because I'm just making these weird grimacy hmm. faces. <laughs> but that that's that's what I would try to think is like what is it that the Swift code is doing? Because I assume it has to do with with something about the user interface because the audio engine, as I understand, is in C, um, uh, and and that's the thing that has to have this these counters or these, this this pulse, this thing that makes the metronome work and figures out you know what pulses are then going to be visible to the user in the terms of, of, of counters or firing events to have sounds played or things along those lines. So whatever it is that the, that the Swift code is, is doing, where, where does that cross the bounds in, into the C world by passing some data or making some reference there? And that's the kind of thing that I would have thought that the curious thing is that it's not, you know, it's a metronome, so he's running at a certain tempo. And you would think mm-hmm. if it was something like that, then it would happen at the same time every time but it's mm. it, it's not. It's sometimes it's twenty minutes. Sometimes it's an hour and forty ah. minutes. So, and it, he's it's running and he's not touching anything on the screen. So the only co- code that's really running is the audio code. And mm. on top of that, um, I've tried disabling various. I've tried disabling the new Swift elements that I put in there so that they are not doing updates. And it's not those things. So anyway, I just, I thought it was interesting that I I didn't even know until this happened that you could be crashes where it wasn't logged at all. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back to years ago, someone told me that they were having issues on an iPhone 5S and I couldn't replicate them. And I bought an iPhone 5S and tested it and could replicate the crash. And it turned out to be something like I hadn't set a bool va- initial value somewhere or something like that. And it only crashed on that one device. So I guess things are built for different architectures and things. And, I, right. I was only able to find that by owning the same device. Um, so all these, all these areas that, that, you know, I have to learn about this stuff just for the one right. instance. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's another interesting clue is that is there a different, you know, ARM processor in, in the model of iPad that he has that, you know, they have uh, versus what you've been testing with. And it's kind of from a practical point of view, you know, the, the amount of time that you may have already spent so far, you know, customers are, are, you know, you can't do this for every customer calls in with a bug, but it's like, here, here's a, here's a machine that I know where it runs. Have a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was considering asking them to upgrade to iOS 12 to see if Mm -hmm. that fixed it. But if it did fix it, then I would have lost my opportunity to figure out what it was that was going wrong, you know? Hmm. 
Well, this is this is indeed a great mystery. Um, what I was going to suggest is is um, we probably can't come up to the solution live right here. Much as I would like to believe that I can just like you mm-hmm. know, like sprinkling salt on a on a thirty five thousand you know pound hamburger like the like the that that Turkish YouTube star does. I don't know if you know what I'm talking. I, about. I have no idea. Salt. I'll, I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Um, it, it but it's like he he has he's a you know a, a grill chef that became famous. He's Turkish, and I guess he gets known is known as the Salt Bay, like BAE before anyone else or whatever, uh, and has a particular gesture he uses for sprinkling salt, where he kind of turns his 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 forearm. It makes it almost look like a goose, where his hand is kind of curled over, and he sprinkles salt that runs down his arm off his elbow onto whatever is being done below, and then it's usually some like a you know a mastodon size piece of of, of meat of some sort. So and and so I always think about like that. That's the magic little sprinkle that you make to solve all problems in the world. And unfortunately, I'm unable to do that live for you now. But it, it, it's this is you know debugging is 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 the hardest thing in the world, especially in this particular case where you know on the one hand, Apple's Apple's frameworks and 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 APIs are supposed to shield you from all this, but you just never know. And I also think that that you know the architecture of your app. Meaning that you've got you know one end you know a core engine in C which is interacting in some way very very close to the metal so to speak and then you have the the user interface layer the UI kit stuff that's that's operating at a different layer and then you've added in this other variable um, and with subtle differences that you may not be aware of it, it can be bad thing so I I feel your pain. Um, what I was going to say is we can we can break this segment to a stop here. But I suspect that there that this is not the only question you're ever going to have as you go forward improving the app and kind of modernizing it and breaking it down. So with the permission of our fractional one and a half audience, I'm going to see if if maybe we can check in, you know, in the coming months and and see if if uh, to follow your progress and maybe get feedback from the audience if they have suggestions um, because I think it's it's a fascinating product that you have and there's a lot to learn from. Both how you 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 look at the technical challenges of it, and also how you you look at bringing forward your your customer base, and and um, and and just basically how you're 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 doing these days as as an indie software developer. Yeah, that sounds interesting, and I I, I can definitely provide questions of people. You know, someone who's been coding for sort of six years, I guess. Um, yeah. There's so many things. Like I, I keep coming across articles about how singletons are bad, and I remember the first time I discovered that a singleton was a thing, I was like, "This is the solution to all my problems." So I have, <laughs> uh, if you would, you would just sigh if you saw how, if you saw my code base and how everything is talking to everything else, and it's like, "Well, this is where you go for this." But there were mm-hmm. so many things that at the time I just thought, "Well, I, I can't think of any other way to do this. I don't know." You know, early on, I didn't know that you could put views. I didn't know views could have subviews. So my main interface was all individual views that were handled by this one view controller, um, mm. and it's it's just crazy. So I'm gradually trying to you know make it a better piece of software. But um, the, as I'm doing that, I come across other things where I think, well, this is feels like this should be the way to do it, but I I don't know how to handle this thing, and so 
that's where yeah. I might be asking <laughs> asking you some questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, when you don't know what you don't know, it's hard to to, to move forward. Exactly. And, and everybody goes through this. I, I think that if you're not embarrassed by code that you wrote, uh, you know, in your past, that means you haven't gotten anywhere further. And and there's no there's there's no shame in, in learning. You know, not everybody. You can't get to you can't get to awesome without first passing through sucking. <laughs> it's just it's totally true. All right. Well, let's uh, let's bring this segment to a close, and um, we will we will carry on forward. Great, thank you. Great to speak to you. It's always good to be reminded what it's like to be new at this stuff and having to struggle your way through learning and and the joy of learning and of, of uh, succeeding and failing and the wisdom that comes from it. And sometimes, um, you know, we forget that it's uh, it was like that. But equally, I, well, I don't know actually because I still struggle every day. So. <laughs> it's um, always trying to learn something or, or being stuck with something. But it's, uh, yeah, that was really good. Well done, John. Well done, John. High praise indeed. Okay. Well, and thank you. And and, and I, I feel the same way. It's like, you know, I, I have this stupid uh, uh, habit of doing what's called the happy dance. It's where I look like a, a ch- like a spastic chicken. Um, and that's when something starts working. And then when it's not working, people just can hear me. And, and you, you tend to forget, you know, we work in an open plan office, so almost everybody has noise-canceling headphones. But sometimes when I go, fucking hell, I wonder if people can hear me or not. Some people can. But I, I, I've kind of pre-apologized for everybody within the blast radius of my cursing. Um, anyway, so. Yeah, I, I'm used to working up, you know, for many years in an office on my own. And, you know, uh, more recently I've uh, been in a shared office or when I'm with clients in a shared office. And I just, you know, I, I just talk to myself and I didn't, don't realize you're doing it when you're on your own. And then people, it's when people keep saying, sorry, what did you say? <laughs> Say, oh, don't worry, I was, I was just swearing auto layout or, mm, mm. <laughs> or NS outline view or something. Yeah. Well, Scotty, now that, that, that we've determined the new technique of having to, to get rid of, of fractional listeners is just to bring them onto the show, where might people uh, get in contact with you to say, I would, like to be, I would like to graduate from being a fractional listener to a fractional guest? Yes, if you would like to become part of the Scotty Replacement Program, then uh, please contact me on Twitter. It's MacDevNet. Or, uh, of course, you can uh, get hold of us both by sending an email to feedback at iDeveloper.co. And, John, if people want to uh, just contact you, because that's what they'll always want to do, with obviously you being the uh, far better half of this duo, um, how they, should they do that? Well, I, I should be getting a new <laughs> Twitter account called, you know, Trabant Gini. <laughs> that's a very inside joke, but no, you can find me on Twitter as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. Well, John, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, this is my last day in California. I am heading to the airport this evening and flying back to Britain. Um, though I understand that the British Airways computer systems were down this morning, so whether my plane actually gets here to get home is another matter. There we are, computers. Who needs them, eh? Mm. Uh, what a pain. So uh, next time I speak to you, I will be back in Britain and uh, uh, restore our relationship to being 6,000 miles apart where it seems to be a lot more secure. (laughs) 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 Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Please do let us know what you thought of the episode. And uh, uh, until next time, you take care. Thank you.
Um, and he actually also sent me a letter with some questions about uh, about importing and doing long-running operations. Um, and I think it's actually kind of interesting. It, it, it could almost breathe some useful life into the show. Um, <laughs> uh, that Sam, you could put that bit in it. 